0: It's Friday, November 11th, 2022. It's Veterans Day. And everybody here at Buy Hold Cell, we would like to thank all the men and women of our armed forces. Because if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be able to put on a show like Buy Hold Cell for everyone out hey, there. Hey. Here, here! Right, I'm Todd Schoenberger. I'm joined by my friend and co-host Tobin Smith. And Toby, what a week in the markets! We had inflation data that was mild, and stocks took off. S&P 500 up five percent for the week—the best performing week that we've seen since late June. Is it going to continue, Toby? What do you, I see you shaking your head already. Is this just a bear market rally, or are we off to the race? No,
1: I mean there, there are always bear market rallies because you know we're in a bear market. But what was interesting. This week was a couple of things. One is, you know, we've had this, this three-tenths of 1% CPI print before. Uh, I'm looking at my notes here. I'm looking at it. it was January, February. In March, um, we had it again in July or June. Uh, excuse me, July. And that's when that rally started. Uh, and it was a short, you know, it's a short carbon rally. You know, people at home don't quite understand how this whole thing works? Uh, there's eh, about 25 to 28 trillion dollars of money in, in hedge funds, and then they borrow another half, another another 20 trillion dollars. And the, their approach, the way they're making money is, is that they short certain stocks, the highest flyer stocks, and which means that they borrow the shares. Literally, they pay interest on that, by the way. And then right. when they're trying to buy them back at a lower price. In that way, they, that's how they make their money. But conversely, if the if the actual stock is going up in price. You borrowed it, then you're losing money. So, when we say short covering rally, what it means is the hedge funds, the private money hedge funds, who have profits. In other words, the stocks have gone down, so they've made money. Buy those stocks back in order to return them to the broker, and then and that's their profit. So that's why you get this automatic and like yeah, on yesterday, eighty nine percent of all trades were done via computer, which is the telltale sign that they have their program set, their algorithm set, and it says, hey, if this thing goes up more than 5% or the inflation print comes lower than, you know, buy these things back, which means all of a sudden you have a marginal buyer, someone who doesn't care about price because I already have a profit in the thing being down and boom, that took off and then that, and then that's what a short covering rally is. That being said, what's intriguing is that on this one, you can make the case that we've it it, it, have hit peak inflation rate because the stuff that was hardest to come out, it was starting to come out. In other words, yeah, used cars were down and so so forth, but nobody buys a used cars, you know, every month. But yeah. And, and, and as I've said, you know, for a while until we got rents to come down, that's the sticky stuff. And so we finally did get, you know, rents down a little bit. Um, We got, uh, uh, you know, produced goods certainly because, you know, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't really go to Tuesday morning store, if you know what I mean, but I know that
0: <laughs> Hobby Lobby.
1: Yeah, Hobby Lobby. Right? But I guarantee you that that they're buying a, a, a shit ton of clothes from Kohl's and everybody else at about 10 cents on the dollar. So, the, you know, that stuff. Went, so that was a good sign. But more than anything, you could then make the case that we had hit peak inflation, which then means that we had that the Fed doesn't feel the urgency to perhaps do 75 basis points or three quarters of 1% again. Now the uh, the futures exchange are pricing about 90%. It's going to be a 0.50%. And the reason why that all makes any difference is that the stock, if you looked at the, the the stocks that went up, the 50 stocks that went up the most yesterday, they were 100% stocks that were down more than 75% from their peaks, right? So that's classic shirt covering. But in that group of top 75, stocks that went up. There's actually some very good companies. So there was also some real buy of you know of mostly technology stocks that had gotten so low that remember, yeah. when you value any, any stock, I mean, if you're a professional, you're making an estimate of what their cash flow is going to be over the next three to five years. And then you discount that by the rate of return for zero risk assets, which would be the 10-year. Well, what really blew me away, the 10-year bond, what really blew me away is we had the steepest decline in the 10-year rate in Fourteen years in one day.
0: Yeah, it went
1: down almost a half a percent. That stuff never happens. I mean, there's right. No, there's there's no time. So when that happens, automatically bond values go up. When interest rates go down, the bond value goes up because it's a fixed a fixed rate. And sure as shit, when that happened, then boom. Mm-hmm. Every yeah. every. Crappy stock had a bid uh, again for short cover, but also for the fact that man, that, that opens the window. So I mean, it was it was a historic day, yeah, in a historic time, and a historic Fed, in a historic bear market for the you know the Kathy uh, Wood stocks, you know that are down seventy five or eighty
0: percent. Right, right.
1: All that made made sense. What was interesting was today, but remember, you know, the Dow's been the new, you know, Dow's been the new QQQ for the last, uh, you know, four or five months. Well, actually, the Dow lagged today. So that, you know, if you're at home and you're like scratching your head and you want to kill yourself, I'll just make it simple. Um, If the S and P 500 goes above 3950 and stays above 3950 and recovers over its 200-day moving average, then you can say that that you know we always talked about the the intermediate whatever the the bottoms were starting at it could be 3500 or 3600 If they broke that it would go to 33 et cetera. well it held at the 3500 3600 level S&P yeah. So you can make a case that, you know, that, that that is a bottom. Bottoms are always a process. You can have these sharp, jagged things up and down, up and down. But but if it holds and it gets up to two yeah. a day, and then, you know, you can say okay. that the peak, you know, the market's looking forward six months. We've peaked in inflation. The Fed. Uh, is not now, you know, set to go to six and a half percent Fed funds rate, maybe even just five percent. So that
0: gives, you know, that gives some motive of Florida stocks. It's a lot of what ifs. A lot of what ifs. Here's the thing: yeah. when, if you look at the last few months, the traders. This is a great trading environment, but yeah. there is this there's this thing of called hope. There, are, there are traders. Some traders are hoping for this so-called pivot by the Fed. That they're going to pivot away from 75 basis point increases, maybe lower it, maybe start thinking, okay, let's go 25, let's just do whatever, maybe stop it. There's even talk in 2023. Dave Rosenberg said this that we're actually going to see um, actually tightening. That's uh, that's. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I'm not tightening. I'm sorry. Um, where we're going to actually see rate cuts going into 2023 and then beyond that, because the Fed could possibly be raising rates too fast. Here's my thought on it, though. Toby. Dave that, Rosenberg said that. Yeah, he did say that. He actually thought that the Fed would be would be cutting rates in December of this year. And he made that prediction in the second quarter, early second quarter. Here's my thing, though, is that and you said it best, you know, a long time ago when we were on TV together, you would say things like, look, Todd, you can make up your own opinions, but can't make up your own facts. The thing about it is that there's a whole lot of hope on this so-called pivot. But when I look at the earnings numbers, the earnings are good, but they've been drawn down so much, these expectations. And I think that that earnings pressure is going to continue to boil up and it's going to be a volcano that could be really really bad. And I think you're going to have, it's going to be a sucker's game when people start getting in to the markets especially when up these or up weeks like we're seeing right now. <laughs> I'm not optimistic for the future of the market. I think it's great for trading. It's great to take some profits But I do believe you have to sew into that strength because, like you said, there's a whole lot of what ifs. What if this happens? 200-day moving average, yada yada yada. We're not even close to those levels yet.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, bottoms in a bear market. Well, first off, I I was on a conference call today, and uh, I felt like the oldest dude in the freaking planet because I was
0: talking. (laughs) Because you are the (laughs) oldest
1: dude. Thank you very much. Screw you, Todd. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the uh, bear market that's, that was started in, you know, I don't, what would we would call it 77, 78, when Volcker started raising rates. Well, we were in a bear market till 86, right? Then we had this bear com blast, and you realize it took 12 years for the stocks and the, the tech stocks to go back, actually 14 years. We had the freaking, you know, bear market, the financial, great financial crisis, and it took some of that stuff, eight to 10 years to get back, right? Now we've had 12 years of this incredible Fed stimulus of pumping you know, trillions and trillions of dollars in the Fed put, meaning that the Fed's guaranteeing the market's not gonna go down. We had very, very low inflation because obviously we changed the business model of the United States from making stuff here as opposed to making stuff in China. So labor costs were down, goods costs were down. We could never get over 2% inflation. So what the hell, why don't we just keep putting money in? So we did all this for 12 years. Mm-hmm. there's this thing called financial gravity. And financial gravity simply means is that something can go up very high, very high. But at some point in time, just like Icarus, you know, you get too close to the sun and you come down. Right? I'm mixing right. my metaphors. Don't start on me. All right. I so, got you. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> but then we've never had a bear market. Six months when the economy was, was expanding. I mean, I got the GDP now, which is the Fed uh, report, and it was weird. It showed that we had a four percent GDP growth estimated in the third quarter. Okay, but over the last nine months, the, the you know the the country has been in, in some form of recession. And typically, the time of bear market is short is when the, the the Fed is raising rates into a into a growing market because they're trying to slow it down. So there's so many confusing things going on here, Todd. I can only just go by the technicals because that's showing where the gravity is. And yes, this is a We had a huge trading day today and yesterday. I mean, ridiculous, ridiculous in tech stocks, you know, in the most volatile tech stocks and then some other ones uh, that I'm going to talk about later, but- for the average person who's going in, you know, has 20 years to go, puts money in every month, just keep, you know, keep doing that. You're you're hoping for bear markets because you're getting lower cost basis on your investment right. that's 20 years down the road. If you're retiring in six months, you shouldn't be 100% freaking in stocks here, right? <laughs> um, and, and and you should, you know, use the opportunity mm-hmm. to build like the energy stocks and think we've like done which pay really high dividends. So it, it depends on who you are. But if you make your living trading, OMG, this last week was redonkulous.
0: Yeah, you're right about that. And next week is actually going to be a lot more volatility. I mean, if you just look at the economic data that's coming out, you obviously have the producer price index that, when the tail, when the tailwind of the the consumer price index, a lot yeah. of people will be talking about that on Tuesday. But then we have the retail sales numbers. You got a lot of housing data that's coming out. I mean, I when I start looking at some of these numbers, and if you just look over the last four or five months, we've actually seen big economic reports like this move the needle. It can move either to, to the bullish side to the bearish side. I do believe that that volatility is going to continue, but I I think that we are way too early. To start thinking that this is a rally that's going to continue on for the uh, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, I, so I, I would mean, say, I'm, 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 beware.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Simply saying that on the short term, it's a bear market until it's not a bear market. And for it not to be a bear market, there's you know a variety of hurdles that need to be overcome. So yeah, would I be throwing all my cash in the market tomorrow? No, but yeah, trading wise, I mean, I think I think we've averaged like 150 percent a day. In these option trades that we've been doing, uh, simply because it's uh, uh, so imbalanced, everybody's bearish, so all of a sudden the thing goes up simply to cover the, the that. So, if you're a trader, Mazel Tov! I hope you have a very, very good weekend and some really good wine. I was just in Apple Valley last week, and trust me, the UPS guy every freaking day is showing up, you know, with uh, bearing gifts. Thanks. Okay, to well, we
0: definitely pressure. we we absolutely need to bring on our friend Monique Sotani for another uh, wine special. That's for sure. Yes. That's something we can talk about over in the next few weeks. So that's great. So listen, let's leave it at that. So coming up next, Toby, we had a Lehman moment in the crypto world this week. An unbelievable story how quickly things just went south for one uh, one particular time, actually for a number of times. But we'll get into that right after the break. Please stay with us.
1: Did you know virtually all vessels traveling in the U.S. have to be American-built, owned and crewed? That's thanks to the Jones Act, which is the bedrock of the American maritime industry. On the American Maritime Podcast, we cover the topics that matter most to the
0: 650,000 men and women of American Maritime, while also being accessible for the average listener to learn about this industry. Every
1: episode features a new guest, including congressional leaders, senior military officials, leading policy analysts, and other experts. Come aboard and listen wherever you get your podcasts or watch on the American Maritime Partnerships YouTube channel. Did you know that
0: 82% of all internet traffic is video? At Bigwig Media, we believe that not only is video the present, it's the future. Are you looking to tell your story in a more dynamic and effective way? Bigwig is designed to be your production studio whenever you need it. Our team will give you a tour and a consultation to identify your needs and we'll make it easy for you. Bigwig works with trade associations, corporations, and nonprofit advocacy groups to provide broadcast quality content, media trainings, capture stakeholder fly-ins, and hold live and virtual events. Everybody is a Big Wig at Big Wig Media. Let's tell your story. Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue-collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager, branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian operative Natalie Knight, through a roller coaster journey of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis, from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss, is forever locked for posterity, is one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the Consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever, available on Amazon and finer bookstores near you. On any given day in Washington, policy proposals are created, debated, and decimated by tens of thousands of people and organizations working behind the scenes. On 80 Proof Politics, a guest and I will visit a D.C. watering hole and distill the art of advocacy by pulling back the curtain a bit and taking a look at how they play their part in the sausage factory we call our federal government. So if you're at all interested in how the sausage is made, pull up a chair, grab a drink, and join us. After all, what goes better with sausage than a tall, cold one? Welcome back everyone to DHS Live. So we are reporting Friday, November, November. November 11, February. My I Earth's know, I ton. know, I know, I know. And it's, uh, it's Veterans Day. Thanks again to all the veterans out there. We do hope uh, you are enjoying your special day. Uh, yes. With with that though, one thing that wasn't special, Toby, was the <laughs> crypto world. We actually went from starting the week with a company called FTX that seemed to be okay, or at least uh, to to people, the optics they seemed healthy, and then just in a few short days. They've already gone to Delaware Chancery Court and have filed for bankruptcy just that quickly. And cryptos are all over the place right now. The story is this, FTX is the name of the company and their CEO had to go out and look for cash because they needed a big cash infusion, especially once cryptos started trading lower. And boom, just like that, they have not only FTX but also 100 of their subsidiaries have all filed for bankruptcy and it leaves everything in flux right now so toby i know that you have talked about crypto a lot on this show what are your thoughts here because when when you lose one exchange like this i mean coinbase is out there but there aren't a lot of players out there anymore i mean is this crypto thing just going to dissolve and go away. Well,
1: let, yeah, let's let's uh let's separate Bitcoin and Ethereum from the literally
0: 200 other
1: crypto shizzle things. This is not Enron. Well, okay. I think this is much more Enron than it is Lehman Brothers. Remember okay. Lehman Brothers what what some The great financial crisis in the banks were that um, you know we were making all these mortgages to people who could like just fog a mirror. All right, good, you have a home. Here's here's three hundred grand. Most you know, not everybody's cut out to have a mortgage, Todd. And. And then all of a sudden, you know, as I like to say, these strippers in Vegas were buying extra homes. And uh, so that was a mania. That was a bubble, right? And and right. What, what cracked the bubble was more about the fact that it was packaging all these mortgages into securities. And then they were selling them and they were leveraged, right? And they were selling them to hedge funds, which were leveraged. But the people they were really selling them to were European banks and European banks. I mean, most Americans don't understand that. You know, in the United States, a a bank in the United States could be maybe for every dollar they have, they can borrow 60 cents, right? So in Europe, Bank Paribas, for instance, for every dollar of capital they have, they can borrow $80. And they are hugely leveraged. Well, the banks had this very low cost of funds. They could borrow this money at very low cost. And they could buy our mortgage bonds and make huge profits, right? If they're just say simply that their cost was one, and they were getting 5% a month, right that's not a bad way to make a living and then on top of that they went to AIG if you remember you know back in the day they went to they got a surety bond a bond that said that guaranteed those mortgages so that cost them some money but now they had like a a, a total lock right everything was beautiful except that AIG didn't have the money to back those things up And when they actually had to pay them out they went bankrupt it created a chain effect this is really focused just on FTX this this crazy uh, kid uh and um uh Sam uh Bankham Freeze SPF yeah. you know yeah. too long a name it's just SPF it's anything what, with a hyphen yeah yeah anything <laughs> with a hyphen. but what really is crazy gonna have this guy locked up in a jail he will is, yeah it's it, it is like Enron because remember Enron the the Ken Lay who I knew from Aspen uh all the time. And I would ask him about what the what they were doing. And <laughs> he said, I have no freaking idea. Okay. So, all right, great. Well, at Enron, what they were doing is they were just cheating and they were robbing, you know, one pocket to pay the other pocket uh, and sort of ponzing themselves to try to stay afloat. And then it all blew up because they had accounting problems. They, they had, you know, mysterious barges that didn't exist. All right. Well, that's all hocus pocus. That's that's You go to jail time. The F is done here is he created a cryptocurrency uh, on one hand, and then he borrowed money against it from another entity that was under his control. And these worthless pieces, or POS, as I like to say, of crypto went worthless. All of a sudden, the money he borrowed, people wanted their $8 billion back. And, you know, shock of shock, he didn't have eight billion million. He had maybe $500 million. So this thing is going to take a lot to unwind. And then because of all of that, then there's a lot of people selling their Bitcoin Ethereum, simply number one, to avoid the the contagion, if you will. Secondarily is they need the money. And number three, all these guys need the money so they can, you know, pay back as much as they can. So it is the definition of fraud. It is the definition of hubris. And let's not forget that, you know, this genius started this when he was 23 years old. Um, Right. He right. was a tr- he was a he was a trader at the Jane fund and he came up with one really great idea is that he could buy bitcoin on the Japanese exchange for a buck he could sell it simultaneously for a dollar thirty on another exchange because none of them were continued, none of them were linked. And that arbitrage, he made literally billions of dollars. Yeah. But then, like every person who has one great idea that makes them super you know wealthy, et cetera. Now he's the smartest mofo in the world. So he's gonna get in five other businesses that have to do with <laughs> this, and they're all gonna be yeah. incredibly leveraged. And just you know, for the listener out there, there is one and only one reason that something blows up, borrowed a lot of money. And somebody wants their money back. And you can't pay it back and it all went to money heaven. And for this guy, I mean it's a bad week for billionaires. Look at Elon. Oh. Look
0: at Jeff Bezos. I mean, yeah. It's I know. A rough rough week for billionaires, but but this one is <laughs> Toby. Global. How are you handling it? How are you handling it this week? I'm just so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I,
1: I not I have nothing against Elon Musk. I definitely had something against this kid because he uh oh also, by Ooh. the way, two two billion dollars worth of venture capital money and all the big vc companies you know said man this kid's a genius nobody looked at the books
0: Yep, they sent the
1: books to his competitor who's gonna buy them out he, t- he took like five minutes and he sent it back i
0: said are you t- crazy you well, guys are that, yeah you're right bankrupt. that competitor that competitor binance was actually gonna yeah. buy it and then they did some due diligence who knows these books are probably written in crayon or something. And <laughs> They said, forget it, we're out. And now obviously regulators are now just knocking on the door. The SEC even came out today. They said they're actually, they're looking at FTX, at civil and criminal violations oh, of absolutely. securities laws. That's jail time. That's not, I mean, civil penalties are one thing, but once you get into the criminal side, you're in big, big trouble. Yeah, I,
1: I, among other things, Todd, I am actually sure that, uh, YOLO, FOMO folks that are you know gambling on um, futures contracts and this stuff and options contracts, all, all crazy shizzle, is that there's no bank here. There's no FDIC. I mean, hey, the really good right. part about this, this was unregulated. The really bad part yeah. about this, it's unregulated.
0: It's unregulated. Yeah. 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 It, it's, that's it's a, a, a big deal. And not only that, and to go with that though, and it's obvious that now with Washington, and we're, we'll talk about the midterm elections yeah. in a bit. But but you have so much with that balance of power. And then you start looking at these crypto packs that were created by this guy. He actually donated $30 million towards the 2022 midterms. I mean, for an unregulated, it's almost like, okay, I'm going to pay off the cops, and then they'll just look the other way. I mean, it, none of this looks right. It looks bad. It looks shady. as all else. And this kid's career, he's definitely well, done. Yeah, I mean, I, the
1: crypto, you know, the crypto world has always been the wild, wild west. As yeah. I've said 100, 100 times, Bitcoin is a belief system. Uh, yeah. It's uh, Mike Saylor from MicroStrategy, an old time friend of mine, when you when he talks about Bitcoin, his eyes like light up. He's like hypnotized. Oh, it's Bitcoin. It's unregulated. It's not a fiat it's currency. It's blah, blah, blah. It's, it's a religion. It's a faith based deal. Uh, yeah. and, and it creates a mania. And the mania was awesome, dude. I, I, you know, I, I have some wallet with Bitcoin that's got 10 Bitcoin. And it's probably worth now only about 50 grand. But yeah, I mean, you just can't yeah. say this enough that I did a speech for this group years ago and you know but hey remember this is still all based on you know the faith and credit of nobody and man i thought i was gonna get you know tomatoes thrown at me and
0: shit you don't know nothing (laughs) Mm -hmm. i know that's a whole who's laughing
1: who's laughing now you little shit all right go ahead
0: Well, listen, let's leave it at that. But then we got to talk about coming up in the next block, about the midterm elections. We still don't know who's going to be in power, Toby. whole lot of things, but you are right there. You are in the, you're in the hot zone of what the entire country is focused on right now. Not just in the Senate, side, but also with the governor role. But we'll talk about that after the break. Please stay with you. Cold Cell Live, brought to you by Transformity Research. The Jim Stroud podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain to brain
1: communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now.
0: Welcome back, everyone, to BHS Live, and what a week it has been! We saw the S and P five hundred up five percent, the biggest one week performance since late June. But we also had the midterm elections, and we have so many, so many um, of these, um, these elections. That had, a lot of these races have yet to be determined right now. It's and right easy now, for you to,
1: easy for you to say, Todd. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, take, I know. Take, I know, a, br- just, I, take a breath. Though. Just, you
0: know, I, I, I tell you, being a political junkie, I mean, I'm up all night. And I'm thinking about like, oh, I'm pacing the the halls. I'm wondering what is going to happen because here you have right now, point blank in the Senate, Republicans have 49 seats, Democrats have 48. It was 50-50. Where's the balance of power going to come from? So Toby, you're in Arizona right now. There's a whole lot of uncertainty that's taken place there, how um, how the votes were handled and everything else with the ballots and the problems that they had with the governor's race and also in the Senate. But with the balance of power, because I think a lot of people were thinking that Republicans were going to take the House. And the Senate. Then you obviously have the Democrats in, in Washington. I'm um, in the White House. And that's wonderful news when it comes to uncertainty because Wall Street is always like that. But there's right uh, now, we just don't know who's in charge. So, how bad is this going to be? Over the next few weeks, because once we get past this inflation narrative, we're going to be talking about power. And then you have to wonder what is going to happen to stocks
1: If the Republicans, um, you know, have control, then in theory, filling themselves as people who have, you know, physical conservatism, although they haven't shown it you know, it's in the last 25 years. But uh, if it's split and then, then that's always been good for the stock market. Um, and the Dems are not going to have control, so because they're going to lose the the House, which almost happens every two years in every you know presidential cycle, r- regardless of your political issues. So it's probably sort of a win and a win. Uh, if it's tied up, great, it's, we have status quo, but the, the Republicans could have the House. So that's going to keep you know another Inflation Reduction Act type one point six trillion dollars coming up, and um, it, it's more worrisome again to me uh, as someone who who despises both the left and the right in a very equal amount, the Mm -hmm. extreme left and the extreme right, I should say, is that the election deniers, I think the good thing that came out of this was that it finally shut Trump up and showed him, you know, showed the world that we're not you know, being led by a cult that walks around like zombies and, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's a good thing. That's a good thing for democracy. And when, what's good for democracy is good for the stock market. It is good for investing. Um, so I'm not I'm not worried about it. I I, I, I think I'm absolutely sure that I, mean, I, I used to t- tell you, I used to do when I was on Fox News, I would do these um, early morning hits on local Fox uh, stations and Carrie like know, I've known her for 15, 20 years. She's always been nuttier than a squirrel diaper, Todd. This is nothing new. Anybody who knows her, yeah. she's this like supposedly benign woman from Iowa who just happened to get into uh, television. Yeah, no, She's always been a fruitcake. And uh, yeah. and it's just, it. that's what worries me. I mean, what worries me is, and there'll be states that are all right-wing, you know, conservatives. So, you know, that's always going to happen. But in a state like Arizona, which is now becoming much more, you know, less Crazy than from the Barry Goldwater days, shall we say? <laughs> um, that it's always worse than to me if someone is elected to power, particularly as a governor, because governors actually do work. Todd, you know that? I mean, I Arnold Schwarzenegger got elected as governor, and he surprised the hell out of me. He actually was a good governor. He actually, you know, got things done, and and um, uh, it was amazing. Because normally, I mean, Ronald Reagan was the governor of California. Uh, and he never been no politics, and he did a great job. I got elected, you know, to two terms. They're the exception, not the rule. Uh, mm-hmm. Normally, someone who doesn't know squat uh, governing it's like being a city, like a mayor. Mayors actually get stuff done. You know, they say they they're the ones who actually fill the potholes, right? Because because yeah. somebody will get in their ear. This Kerry like, Uh and and all demented people that were on the these were all election deniers. This is all conspiracy theory, and and that just is not good for democracy. So I'm I'm hoping that uh, the lead for the other one, Ms. Hobbs, who is a fine person who has been the secretary of state, has been a a mayor. She knows how to get stuff done. She deals across the aisle. Um, I'm hoping that 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 works out.
0: But it's a lesson. It is. It is. Uh, Two things. I mean, one is Peggy Noonan wrote about this in the Wall Street Journal today, is that the good news is that the Trump-backed candidates did not win because of that red wave did take place. Republicans and the MAGA community and everything else, they would have followed and thought, okay, now this is the right thing because we took over everything. Obviously, it's midterm time. Usually you do go with the with the opposite party that's in the White House. Sure. We got all that. But to see the destruction of what has actually taken place inside the Republican Party was actually probably a lesson learned good news. You're right about Carrie Lake. I think Carrie Lake coming out, especially for you and I being people in the press and then she comes out, it's almost like the freedom of press is non-existent in her world and she's somebody from the media, which is even more yeah. iconic. And so it's a bit bizarre to hear that part of
1: it. In the Wall Street Journal, I was there today or Yes. Hi. I guess it was yesterday. All right. It's all blending together now. Uh, Dan Hangiger, who I used to share an office with, is a very bright uh, Great conservative who you know supports uh, the Republican Party at every turn. Yesterday, he came out and said, if Donald Trump decides he's going to run for president, then the entire GOP has lost in 2024. You could write right. it off. It's done. Yeah. And then Carl Rove, who's never been a Trump fan, was even more adamant about it. And to see yeah. that in the Wall Street Journal, the most conservative uh, media, company in the United States that is you know that's yep. basically uh the you know uh e- E2 Brute right this is uh these yeah. are the knives coming out uh, in, in ancient Rome so that's healthy it's a return you know we flew we've got just so far to, to the craziness level just coming back to just somewhat normal and the Wall yeah. Street Journal and other though they need to lead that I mean Fox News will never do it of course but right but Wall Street Journal is part of News Corp. I mean, it's owned by Rupert Murdoch well, too.
0: Well, I'm not so sure about that because actually Murdoch even came out today, saying, "Look, enough is enough with Trump," and now everybody seems to be backing away from Trump quickly, especially after the, the results of Tuesday's elections. Yeah. So you start, so you start looking at Iran. DeSantis, that acceptance speech was if he, millions of Americans were first introduced to this guy off of that acceptance speech. My goodness, he's got. The, the cancer survivor wife he's got the three yeah. adorable kids i mean the, he is the picture perfect white house vibrant yeah. energetic somebody's going to lead you know and that's God exactly 45
1: what i'm hoping yeah. I'm the first thing i'm going to vote for is that you can't be president over let's say 75 but i'd really yeah. say 70 but yeah uh you know there's some, some incredible exceptions ronald reagan being one but I'm totally with you. And return to sanity and a turn away yes. from these giant conspiracy. You know, I just love the fact that what's this? Uh, the info words guy got another 40, $478 seventy oh, million dollar judgment. Alex Jones. Alex, Jones. Alex Jones. Yeah. Jones, yeah. Uh, I, I, can't, I I can't even let him you know be in my brain. Yeah. He's such a douchebag. But yeah. the, the issue really is, is that it's exciting to see these people finally say. Because I, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago, twenty five years. I I know. As many diehard conservatives as, as any human being on the on the planet, and when I would text or message these guys and and say uh, I was playing an interview I did with Trump on FBN like in 2013, and I, I afterwards I sent some of these guys a note saying I cannot believe this bag. know no nothing, you know, self absorbed uh, jagoff this guy is. Yeah. And, yeah, and they would say, is. "Oh yeah, God, when you meet this guy, right?" Then he's, he runs he gets the nomination. Those same guys are, "Holy well, what a great guy! This is fantastic for America!" I just, mm. and then that's on the media. And then when I text him afterwards, I say, "Certain person, famous person, you didn't mean that, right?" He says, "Fuck oh, no, I didn't mean that, but you know, it's his party, and if if you're going to be in the, if you're going to get elected, you got to play his game." Well, now. Those people who said that stuff, the positive stuff, that if I'm a Democratic strategist, that's all I'm going to show in ads is you, you know, kissing the boots, licking the boots of
0: Donald Trump. Well, um, I, and then and,
1: and then now that you're coming out and saying, yeah, well, you know, he was a bad guy. Well, sorry, too late. Can't have
0: Here's my theory on all of this: is that I think that we're going to look back at this time, though, in American history, especially if you are a conservative Republican, you're philosophically conservative. You don't even have to be a registered Republican. Philosophically conservative. I think we'll look back at this and say, thank goodness for Donald Trump. And here's why. Because Trump was so far to the right, and he had so many people going for him, tens of millions of Americans. Obviously, we know the numbers. But he was so extreme that took us to a level that I'm not exactly sure a guy like a Ron DeSantis and I'm not saying Ron DeSantis is the next greatest president in American history it's put him on Mount Rushmore but <laughs> if but in but comparison that, and contrast I don't know no but here's the thing <laughs> yeah, exactly but here's the thing that that guy though looks like your stereotypical politician and right now he looks great and when you look at somebody like that with the deregulation, you have to start thinking if he does win in 2024, if he runs, he hasn't even decided yet, if he does run and then he is, he is the winner, you have to suspect that, say we go through eight years, two terms with somebody like that, that is going to be so robust for capitalism, Toby. We will be doing shows like you wouldn't believe The Americans would <laughs> actually be where we thought Trump was going to take us. But I'm not sure... We are we, we get to that point with a Ron DeSantis without a Donald Trump, and we, it's going to take time so that that theory proves correct. But I do think that we're going to be better off, and I, and especially as, as far right as the country went, funny it actually might may work out in our favor in the long run anyway.
1: Well, it's, it's how far right? A relatively small portion of America, um, but but remember, the far right never had its own television network like Fox News, of which I worked for fourteen years. Yeah, and, and, uh, uh, you know, when I left, it basically when Obama got elected, it, you know, went to the right and then we had the uh, tax revolt and farther right. And then we started putting Donald Trump on in the morning on the morning show talking about Obama's birth certificate. So it got farther <laughs> crazy and the ratings went up. So I don't know if you know this, Todd, but when the ratings go up, you keep doing what keeps it going up. Uh, yeah. And we just lost the thread. And that's why I'm so proud of Don Henniger today and, and Karl Rove, particularly Donald Henniger. I don't know uh, conservatives, you can, but he's a... He's a true conservative. He's not a Johnny come, come lately. And I respect yeah. the heck out of him to come out and say this. So it, it, it's yeah. a good thing. I mean, and you know, manias and hysterias always come through history. The United States has always had conspiracy theories for crying out loud system. It's just that they never got magnetized magnified by a thousand X via social media and, and, uh, you know, the algorithmic programming, so on and so forth. And if you're, if you, if you're a person, I, i I'm, the next book I'm doing involves part of the, how people become, um, essentially, you know, these tribal clones and the, the, the cognitive psychology is, is very, very powerful. And Donald Trump, I don't know if he understands the word cognitive, but he's like the, he is, he's just the perfect, you know, uh, cult leader. Uh, And, and, you know, and and people had a need, obviously, to believe in somebody like him. And they did. It's just that I, I go back to the final thing I was just say is yeah you know character used to matter the, when when when, you, when somebody ran for uh, uh, office wherever it was dog catcher whatever character mattered and when character stopped mattering character of a person stopped mattering matter of fact he could be a horrible character but as long as it, it accomplished some goal that you wanted you, you know that that changed and I think what we're seeing here is Ron DeSantis is his... Trumpian is Trump, but he has character. He has mm-hmm. scruples. He does. He knows there are lines you don't cross in society, um, and that makes him, uh, to me, you know, the Messiah relative to the alternative. But as you know. I've not been a big Donald Trump fan, so.
0: Right, right, and, that, and that's very well said. Actually, I, I really like the way you put that. All right, well, listen, we'll leave it there. I mean, we'll be talking about politics, obviously, quite a bit now that we're going into the presidential cycle, anyway. So we'll we'll get into the get into those topics later on. Yeah. So, um, so listen, so ladies and gentlemen, please stick with us because after the break, we're going to be talking about retail sales. What can retailers, what can shoppers expect? You're going into Black Friday, Cyber Monday. We got retail sales numbers coming out next week as well. So. We're going to get into it just for you, so please stay with us. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and, in turn, make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads. Welcome back, everyone, to VHS Live. I'm Todd Schoenberger. I am joined by my friend and co-host Toby Smith. And Toby, coming up next week, right for the last full week before Thanksgiving and the kickoff of the Christmas holiday shopping season, we have retail sales numbers numbers coming out. The numbers are not expected to be that great, obviously. People just don't have the money. But what does that say? Because now companies like a Target, a Kohl's, a Walmart, what are we? Should we expect shoppers just They're going to be coming out for Black Friday and Cyber Monday? Or do you think holiday sales are going to be down this year?
1: No, we already have the data. I mean, I don't think it takes a PhD in economics to understand that people essentially, and and we're talking upper middle class households, are trading trading down. And then at the high end, like Louis Vuitton came out yesterday and said, geez, people aren't buying our $25,000. (laughs) You know, I'm shocked, right? Um, No, it's a trade-down market. You know, I sort of like Kroger's. I've had for a while. Kroger's are now buying Safeway. Well, that's retail, too. I mean, that's food. But the reason why I like Kroger's is because instead of getting the Kraft macaroni and cheese, the shoppers are getting the same macaroni and cheese, but it's a private label of Kroger's. And it costs 40% less. So that's what we're seeing. I mean, Kohl's already has been, you know, they already fired their CEO. They already missed this whole fashion uh, scene, but off price is working. And um, yeah, number one. Then number two, what I, you know, was sort of interesting is that Amazon, you know, has finally fessed up and said, well, we didn't really need those 65,000 new uh, workers that we hired because we're slowing down. Because shockingly enough, when you look at FedEx and UPS numbers, um, their their deliveries are down. Why? Because thirty percent of households, you know, have a choice between eating or buying, a, a, you know, a new dress. Um, right. <laughs> the bottom sixty percent of households are, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, uh, and so um, it would all make sense. I mean, retail is going to be soft. We bought every freaking thing we could possibly freaking buy, you know, during the pandemic two years. Mm-hmm. People don't need more stuff; they need more services. You know, that's that's where we're seeing the the strength. Travel, God, I was on the plane to uh, San Francisco last week, up and back, 100% sold out. Um, yeah. Going to the airport, OMG. I mean, that's what people are spending their money on. They want to go places. Yeah. They want to go visit family. I mean, I'm not saying anything we haven't no, But um, uh, I can't think of a retail stock really that I want to own that yeah. is not come down yet to the level uh with, with a few exceptions like i like i like casey's casey's is is in the rural part of america if you live in val nowhere and you need to get food and gasoline so you, there's only cases there's about 500 of those stores they have pricing power because they're literally the only store Um, and you, you know, you can buy everything on a credit card, which by the way, credit card usage up 25% year over year, it's been down 25%. And now, so that's when, you know, people are, are stretched.
0: Yeah, they are. They are stretched. Well, you are right about one thing when you talked about the numbers, um, and and some of the data that's already been out, Adobe came out and said, October online retail sales numbers this year came in at 72.2 billion. Um, in the month of October last year, it was seventy two point four billion. There's, I mean, obviously just a slight drop, but with that, people are not spending like I think a lot of people figure, a lot of these retailers thought that we'd see more money. Plus, the retailers had so much inventory. I know at Target, they had they really had to go into price reduction Uber mode, and they were offering Black Friday sales on some of their their higher their wider margin products like televisions. You know, maybe a month ago so so companies uh, like the that target well. is
1: dependent on you to go in and spend because you know you're a closet target junkie
0: <laughs> that's right how'd you know yeah well i love going actually, to the target i'd like to you're, get you're about out it. of the closet I todd. You're,
1: todd you're out of the closet you are a, <laughs> <There> <laughs> you're not you spending go. as much time in the makeup aisle as you used to but uh still uh, it's <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i gotta say yeah you're well okay not right about the beauty side of it of things, yeah. but I will say when I start looking, I mean, they there are some analysts right now that have been talking to Target, just using that as an example. And they were talking about their inventory issues. Brian Cornell, the CEO, said that they were able to clear out a lot of their inventory problems, but all they did was take their inventory out of their warehouses and ship ship them to the stores. And these stores look awful. I mean, you've seen flea markets in better shape. So yeah. you know, it doesn't it doesn't bode well the shopper who is having trouble locating the items that they want anyway, and, and then you go into a mess and you're, you're just not buying. Their, their um, earnings come out next Friday. Walmart as well. I expect um, we're going to see we might see that same flip-flop that we've seen the past couple of quarters where Walmart has a decent number. Target has a down number. But you are right though. On, on the strength of this week with the S&P up 5%, we really saw the Fed uh, the, the whole thought of the Fed pivot really pushing a lot of these discretionary consumer stocks like the retailers up higher. And that could have been a great opportunity to sell into that strength and then get the hell out. Because realistically, this Christmas shopping season is not going to be robust, no matter what anybody says.
1: Yeah, no, no there's no question. And, and so, uh, you know, we've owned Costco for a long time. Costco is, I mean, oh, my gosh, if uh, I'm looking at our, at our, our kitchen here. Half the stuff we have is from Costco, right? A, it's good quality. (laughs) B, it's like 20% cheaper than anything else. And then C, you buy it in big bolts. You don't have to go to the freaking store all the time, right? Um, BJ's uh, wholesale, also uh, a good trade. uh, In other words, uh, if you can go and buy the same stuff for 20% less, that stretches your dollar another 20%. I know that's right. Seriously, e- economics for you, Todd. So I'll slow down when I say the next ah. thing. But, uh, <laughs> but um, there you go. Uh, it, it, it's it's that's where the money's going. Um, and again, I say Kroger's. Uh, I still like Kroger's. I recommended it a while ago, it's done pretty well. They have a really good strategy. When they combine with Safeway, Albertsons. Oh my gosh, they're going to be the dominant player across the United States, which means nom- dominant buying power, um, and uh, and that means that they have lower you know costs and therefore they'll be able to make the same or even a little higher margins on what they do and
0: they're taking market share from other people so i'm all about that yeah that's great news that's great well we'll definitely report on those retail numbers once they come out next week and we'll get into that a little bit obviously and, and leading up to black friday so listen coming up ladies and gentlemen after the break it's prediction time Toby I will give you our buy wholesale forecast for the next couple of weeks please stay with us buy wholesale Buy, Hold, Sell Live, brought to you by Transformity Research. Travis Carmichael, the seemingly social financier who successfully left behind a blue collar Baltimore upbringing by transforming himself into an elite hedge fund manager branded with a sterling reputation for creating enviable profit machines for many of the world's most powerful people. His success proved costly as he became incessantly vulnerable after a series of careless mistakes and poor decisions originated from his love affair with the brilliant and stunningly beautiful Russian operative Naomi Nutt. Through a roller coaster journey, Journey of greed, mystery, sex, and murder, Travis and Naomi's metamorphosis from scorching Wall Street couple to unrecoverable bliss is forever locked for posterity, is one of New York City's most interesting tales. Coming to you from former Wall Street hedge fund executive and frequent contributor on CNBC, Fox News, Bloomberg, and CNN, I, Todd Schoenberger, feature a historical novel inspired by true events, including but not limited to those who possess impenetrable dreams of Manhattan wealth and the consuming lifestyle it perpetuates. Please pick up your copy of No Lie Lives Forever available in Amazon and finer bookstores near you. Welcome back, everyone, to VHS Live. It's prediction time. Toby, what's your buy-hold-sell of the week? Woo-hoo. Okay.
1: So, semiconductors uh, have, have been like the red-headed stepchild for the last six, nine months, and there's a reason, because their sales were going down, the supply chains are all messed up, and then we had the United States declare global uh, uh, consumer uh, war on China when it came to chips, but... ASML is a ticker symbol. ASML lithography is the monopoly on the equipment that actually makes these new um, semiconductors. If you don't have ASML's machine, it's about 350 million bucks. You're not in any business. Well, what people are missing is, is that just because the chips are not going to be built in China, they're going to be built somewhere uh, in the state of Arizona, uh, unless we go crazy right wing again, um, we have three you know, four hundred million. Excuse me, four ten billion dollar new fabs being built. We're now going to be called the Silicon Desert. Um, and so, it, it, they're going to get built somewhere. If they're not in China, they're going to be somewhere. And ASM, ASML can uh, will be making those lithography machines because it, literally they have a monopoly. There's a smaller company in Japan that people only use for worth, you know, very low cost semis. Right in terms of hold uh, i've been pitching you know for a while that people hold on to energy stocks and i talked about one called San Juan trust sjt is a ticker symbol china is now all of a sudden said hey you know maybe it's not a good idea to lock down our world here um, and today uh, we had um, oil prices up about 5% we had Uh, 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 other companies that, you know, that are related to China go up. And so I would hold, I talked about uh, SJ, hold that gag, it's paying about 18% yield. And then to buy on a speculation, (laughs) excuse me, we have a uh, container company, Zim, Z-I-M is a ticker symbol, that was just ridiculous. You know, I think we recommended it like 20 bucks. It went to like 120 bucks. They pay a huge dividend. Well, now it's back to about 25 bucks because it was crazy because of the pandemic backup. But with China starting to then reopen, Zim, Z-I-M, is still paying literally about a 40% dividend because they pay out 60% of their net net cash flow. They're an Israeli-based company. And uh, it's just been taken to the woodshed. Container rates are starting to come back up. Um, So- we, we love Zim at this valuation. You know, let's say uh, $60 less than it used to be. And B, we are going to assume, um, I think I told you when we first started this, that my, my uh, influence guys, Intel guys in China said that the uh, COVID actually came out of that China lab that everybody's talked about. China, I think, is now, going to, uh, is now tacitly saying that we've got control of it, even though they have, they have more cases, but they, they can't keep their, their economy closed. So now Zim is going to benefit from that. So I like okay. Zim. Buy it. Get the get the freaking dividend. Okay.
0: I love that forty percent. That's huge. Wow, what an opportunity too. That's great. And I assume Transformity Research, yeah, investors could find some of these stocks in uh, in your research reports, right? Well, okay. Adding, I love we just that. Add, we're
1: adding we're adding that on Monday.
0: I love it. I love it even even better then. Okay. All right. Listen, let me tell you my buy is going to be going back to the whole news with FTX crumbling. I say buy Coinbase. Coinbase is simple as C O I N for coin. For those that don't know or not familiar, Coinbase is actually um, an exchange where you can buy and sell cryptos, for example, Bitcoin. You do it right from your phone, go into the app. It's very simple. Link your, your bank account. Very easy to use. Plus, you can buy fractional shares, kind of what Robinhood does with equities. So Coinbase is one of these companies. So it had a great update, especially off the FTX bankruptcy, up almost thirteen percent just on the day. But and the stock is around fifty-seven and change. Citibank has an eighty-dollar price target on it definitely the way i would look at this yeah, um, I, right now I'll there's no question,
1: no question no question it's just like when robin hood you know had all those problems people there's beneficiaries and yeah uh, coinbase in the crypto space uh has not done all these stupid things you know by the way the Dummy. same guy the same guy took money sam sam freed crazy man yeah. out of <laughs> out of his clients accounts and lent it to his own company
0: yeah what i know i don't get this guy I mean, why, why would you suspect that that is good? I mean, that's, a, that's what I don't get. I mean, that's somebody that is so, he's obviously just an idiot, or he just is so egotistical thinking, oh, I could just get away with anything.
1: Yeah, I'd go with B. And also the <laughs> fact that, he's, you know, he started this thing at 20, 24 years old. Uh, he's not even 30, I don't believe. And it, it, this is, you know, this is crunch time. And he blinked. And he, yeah. you know, he thought the easy way out. Um, and he also owns all, all the shares, basically. I mean, he owns a majority of shares. So, so, the fact that he quit today, I think that's great for Coinbase. I like the
0: call. on that one. And one final thing on that kid, Sam, he then goes to Twitter, why he feels the need to publicly explain things. And he quoted and said, I effed up. I mean, you could, if you're his defense attorney, <laughs> he's like banging your head up against the wall. I mean, what a confession, right? But who knows? Yes. But that's a whole other story. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more. All yeah. right, my hold, and I have something a stock I've been talking about for months now. It's got to be ExxonMobil. I do think that because of the transition of power and we're seeing that more of a balanced approach, you're not going to have a company like the big three where, where you have Exxon or Chevron and Conoco could be in the crosshairs of a possible windfall profits tax where you start seeing them as the villain because they are making a lot of money. Uh, The companies like Exxon are great. Yeah, I I see you wide-eyed there because Exxon is one of these companies that consistently pays its dividend and consistently buys back its own stock. As an investor with a buy-and-hold strategy, that's the way to go. I love Exxon.
1: And and by the way, not only do they buy back their shares, but – they are uh, seriously, uh, they're more natural gas than they are oil now. So they benefit yes. uh, from all the LNG and all the stuff. So yeah, no, it's a good call. Jeez, you have two good calls on the road, Todd. I mean, ask, I'm going right. to You should stop right now.
0: You're going to hate my cell, that's for sure. I'm going I'm to say it anyway. And that's Target. We were just talking about it in the last block. I have been very bearish on Target stock only because of the inventory issues. Because I'm a big fan of retailers that have inventory control For example, Nordstrom, who has inventory control targets, inventory is all over the place. They actually went through their uh, annual audit that they do internally, and they recognize that on average, their stores have 100,000 more units this year in their stores than they did last year. And they can't push it fast enough out to the retailers. So they're either going to have to start selling things at pennies on the dollar, or they're going to have to come up with something and start bussing in customers. Because, and, not, and neither one is actually happening. So right now, so, uh, I, I would suspect I would stay away from Yeah. You're now
1: forbidden to talk about Target in the next two months.
0: All right. I did it. I'm sorry. Let me set that calendar on my calendar then. I'll bring it up again.
1: (laughs) I will add add this. If you look in the paper, the people at home can't see it. But every day I look at the, the new highs and the new lows. And usually in a bear market, you have more new lows than new highs. That is a shocking observation, I know. But this is the first time in six months that... If you look in the Wall Street Journal, it's almost similar. The same amount of highs and it, it, just a little bit more new lows. And that's actually one of the end of bear market signs, um, is, is, is you start getting an equal amount. So that's a really, you know, the bottom is a bottoming process. And I'm not a bear. I'm not a bull. I'm just, uh, I, I want to make money. I think, I think Jim Cramer used to say that.
0: Uh, said <laughs> something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, um, uh, you know uh, we're getting a number of bottoming signs here. it's not the bottom a bottom is a bunch of a bottoms but uh, you know uh, 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 the pivot could make sense in the first part of this year so um, you know we're adding more stocks as we go on we're still heavy in energy at some point in time there's going to be a you know rotation from what's been working in the last 18 months for us and what worked for us 18 months before the last 18 months and so, so that's the cool thing about uh, stock picking here and sector picking is that some of these tech stocks are getting ridiculously cheap, oversold. Um, and uh, you're going to see people like uh, me who have made a lot of money in energy start to take some profits here just because I want to build you know cash for, for the new opportunities. So, so
0: that's, hang in that's there, great. I'm just great commentary. That. I love that. And as a reminder to all the listeners as well that are listening to us through the Evergreen Podcast Network and as well as all of the other podcast channels, your favorite podcast channels, you can get Toby's commentary at TransformityResearch.com. We highly recommend it. Uh, definitely is the, the place to go. That's where we, we definitely um, we get a lot of our ideas as well. So we utilize the, uh, the expertise coming out of Toby and his crew. So so listen, so on behalf of Tobin Smith, I am Todd Schoenberger. We want to thank you for joining us today for BHS Live. We can't wait for the next show, and we also want to just give a salute to all the Armed Forces veterans that are out there today. We do hope you're enjoying your day on this very special Veterans Day. Thanks again, everyone, and have a great weekend. Woo-hoo!